everybody. This is the second episode of From Me Para Ti episode. I'm so happy and excited to be back because, yes, I was gone for two weeks. I'm so, so sorry for the negligence, but a lot has happened in the past two weeks. And so I am excited to... um Honestly, I think it's been more than two weeks. Um, But yeah, it's been crazy in the last couple of weeks with health drama and school. Yes, your girl graduated already. I'm so excited. I'll be talking about that too. Um, But yeah, in the first episode, I did mention I did not know what to name this podcast. I really wanted to make it a Spanish title, but at the same time, I want to make it easy to be searchable when it comes to, you know, my English listeners. Um, I'm not sure if I'll ever make an episode in Spanish, um, because that's a little tricky. <laughs> Yo, girl, she's, um, I know Spanish, but I, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm very Chicana, which is okay. Um, a Chicana, which I mentioned, I think, on the first episode, um, which means my parents were born and raised in Mexico, and I was born and raised in the United States. So, yes, my technically my first language is Spanish because that is the first language I learned how to communicate and speak and um until I went to kindergarten and, and preschool and, and, you know, school, um, is when I started to learn English. So that is a whole new other episode in itself about Chicano culture and how, you know, sometimes you feel like you're very in between. You, you, you're too white for your Mexican friends and you're too, um, you know, as in white American to your Mexican friends and family, and then you're too Mexican for your white American friends. So it gets a little um, awkward when it comes to language barriers and knowing where you fit in. But that's a whole new other episode. Um, Let me know if y'all want me to make an episode about that. I will definitely be more than happy to do so. But yeah, let's get to it! First and foremost, I want to say thank you to everyone that have listened to the first episode and really enjoyed it, have given me really nice encouragement of continuing to do this podcast, um, what you learned, and everything else. Um, I also want to thank my friends who helped me come up with the title of the podcast, because, you know, Spanish and English has been a huge part of my life um and that I'm really proud of and it's something that I 
get nervous about. I, I do get nervous um, and anxious when it comes to forgetting how to speak Spanish. Um, and that's a whole new other topic, but yeah, I, I'm really proud of, um, I was very fortunate to grow up in a Mexican household, even though, yes, I was born and raised in the United States in the Midwest, but, um, I did grow up with Mexican culture, um, because my parents are first generation immigrants, um, so yeah, that to me is very special to me, so that is why, the podcast title is very Spanglish in a way, um, which is definitely me, <laughs> definitely me in a title, which means, um, so the title is From Me Para Ti, which basically means um, From Me To You, and I feel like these episodes are going to be like little letters or little chats when it comes to topics I wish I would have known better or um, topics I wish I would have been more confident to speak about when I was younger. Um, so yeah, um, in this podcast episode, um, I'm going to be talking about other things, so it's not going to be necessarily 100% about Chicano culture, um, but if y'all want to learn more about it, um, let me know. Um, I'm pretty sure soon I will explain more about Chicano culture. Um, but this episode, I really want to emphasize what's been going on. Why did I disappear in the last couple of weeks? Because I know I did say I will release an episode every Friday. Um, so I have missed, I think, two Fridays. And I'm very sorry about that. Um, so very, I, I thank you all who have listened and have enjoyed the first episode and have given me, um, positive encouragement to, to, to continue and what you want to hear more and everything else. So I, I really sincerely appreciate it. Um, but I cannot do an episode um, without taking into consideration that I graduated. I graduated um, my bachelor's in sociology, and I'm still very shocked. I'm not going to lie. I sometimes feel, <laughs> even every day, I sometimes feel like I have to turn in homework or I have to log into a Zoom lecture meeting um, for school or I have to check my emails for from professors of a new assignment or something like that um, because every day I had to do homework every single day I had to read do research because in sociology you have to do a lot of research a lot of reading and writing um, and like putting everything together when it comes to research um so every day i feel like oh my gosh i have to you know do this assignment you know and then i'm like wow there's no assignment like i'm done <laughs> i'm done with school um so yeah i just want to congratulate everyone 
that has graduated from college, from high school, or even middle school. I don't know if some schools still have 8th grade graduations, but if they do, congratulations to you. Um, I don't know if any 8th graders listens to this, but um, if you have a sibling or a family member that is graduating from middle school, congratulations to them. That's also a very special milestone. Um, but this episode, I do want to concentrate a little bit bit of my experience of college um and in a sense my experience is not 100% unique you know um but there were a handful of bumps in a rows um that almost made me drop out and what I mean made me drop out as in like it became so heavy to the point that I just felt like there was no way for me to um, succeed. Um, so a little background is, I know I, I will be talking about a lot um, when it comes to disability because I have a disability and I say that in the first episode um I have osteogenesis perfecta so it's a genetic disorder that involves with fragile bones um imperfect bones that's why it's called imperfecta because my bones are imperfect (laughs) which is okay um and yeah a lot of my disability is physical um but throughout the years of my school journey or education journey, whatever you have it, I do know in my heart that I probably have dyslexia. And that's a whole new, <laughs> like, you're like, whoa, how are you going to self-diagnose yourself? Um, so let's start from the beginning. Um, my parents immigrated to the United States from Mexico and they came here with nothing, okay? Which is the most so cool, strong, resilient thing I have ever heard of. You know, people who immigrate, who come to the U.S. from a different country without knowing the language, which is English, not knowing the language, the culture, Nothing like you leave everything behind, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to literally start from scratch. It's so inspiring to me, and I don't understand. And let's keep it real. In in the United States, there is so much negativity towards immigrants. Now, of course, not every American thinks that way, but the majority. They do see immigrants as in um, just this negative group of people. Um, And no, like I would like to see you go to Japan or go to India or go to Mexico yourself and, and start from scratch. Literally, you don't know anyone. 
you don't know anyone, you don't know the culture, even the food. I remember my dad, <laughs> he's so adorable because he said um, he didn't understand the concept of people love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for lunch. He was like, that's American culture. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? And he was explaining to me. He's like, yes, I don't understand that Americans sometimes bring um, PB&J sandwiches for lunch. <laughs> He's like, that, that's not food. He's like, that's like a snack or maybe um, breakfast food. And I was like, I guess and and it was hard for me to understand because I grew up um in American culture missing culture so I, I had a both so to me it's normal but to him he was like yeah I don't understand of, of of that and there was just so many things he didn't understand um and yeah but he my parents do love the United States they're very um proud to have moved to the United States and are now citizens and I'm very proud of them for that um so yeah I was born and raised in the Midwest um and I was the first out of my family that we know of that has a disability I don't know if other family members do, or maybe we just don't talk about it. <laughs> I don't know, but that I know of and that my family knows of, like my parents, my immediate family that we know of, um, no one has a disability. So you can definitely understand where this is coming from when it comes to uh, my parents didn't know English at the time when I was born. And so, they also didn't know that I was going to have OI. They didn't know. They were given a heads up. Um, like, hey, your daughter, she looks different in the ultrasounds, but we don't, we can't pinpoint what exactly. And they did tell them, hey, do you want to terminate the pregnancy? Um... And I think I was already in my mom's womb for like about, I don't know, four months? I don't know. For a good amount of time, I already had a heartbeat and everything. But they still offered my parents the option. Hey, do you want to like terminate the pregnancy and start over? Um, Because we honestly don't know what specifically is different with your daughter. Um... And just giving you a heads up that if your daughter is born with a extreme birth effect, that the chances are your child might not even live. So you might as well start all over. And my parents, obviously, they said no because I'm still here. Um, but yeah, at, up front, they were told, hey, you know, maybe you shouldn't go along with this pregnancy because your kid is very abnormal. Um, but they went ahead and did it. Um, 
and I was born, I almost died because supposedly I was supposed to be um, taken out of my mother through C-section. So I was born naturally, which is very, very dangerous because that caused me to have more fractures. So apparently I already had certain parts of my body uh, fractures that were already healing and they fractured me even more. Yikes. I Thank God I don't remember this. <laughs> because that sounds terrifying. If I was in my mom's shoes, I would be terrifying. I, 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 terrified. I would be like, what do you mean? My baby has broken bones. Like, what do you mean? That makes no sense. What did you do? And they're like, well, we didn't do anything. We literally took her out like any other baby um but turns out um nowadays they do c-sections if they do find out if the baby has osteogenesis perfecta they do a c-section um but because it's a lot safer when it comes to um pulling the baby out it's a little a little bit safer uh, obviously it's not 100 percent safe but it's 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 way more safer than um natural birth. So yeah, I almost died. <laughs> um and yeah, they, they told my parents up front, you know, she might not live past 1 years old. Um and look at me now. <laughs> wow. Uh so the reason that I'm explaining that is because it's very important when it comes to language barrier and culture because my parents were very lost. They were trying to understand that their baby is different. Number two, they don't understand the doctors. and They did have uh, an interpreter every now and then, but... They were still like, what the heck? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what in the world? Like, this, this, this is like a movie. Um, and language barriers and culture really um, went throughout my whole life. So I think that is why I share that story. Not necessarily to like, oh, it's so sad, you know, that I almost died and, <laughs> you know, um, boohoo, my parents went through a lot, but it will make more sense <laughs> as I explain, um, as to how difficult it was for me to go to college. Um, so then I went to preschool, um, a special preschool, um, uh, for children with disability you, you can have any literally any type of disability and you can go to this preschool and they kind of teach the child specifically to their needs so let's say if the child is deaf they start teaching them how to do sign language um if the child has autism um they start working with them with you know how to do certain things and stuff and for me, um, I took a very long time to verbally speak. I think once I hit, uh, 
around two years old or something like that is when my parents said I started to use my words. Um, but for a while, they were worried of the fact that I was deaf. Um, because, one, some people with OI have hearing loss or um, become deaf. And so they thought, oh, okay, she's not responding or talking because she's deaf. Because it's part of her um, bone condition. So, okay, that makes sense. Um, they did a hearing test, I guess, supposedly. Um, my ears came out normal. They're like, there's nothing wrong with her ears. What's going on? Um, so they just thought, oh, maybe it's a language barrier. Um... So they try to condense me as much as possible to, to speak in in preschool. Um, I wasn't budging. I would just point and cry or, um, you know, find other ways to communicate. I wouldn't use my words. Um, so then they're like, okay, well, we'll give her speech therapy and teach her all her sign language. Um, so they taught me sign language, and I don't 100% remember it all. I, I know basic words, um, because I do remember, uh, sign language when I was a toddler, uh, which is crazy, um, and also from friends of mine who know sign language so they have taught me a little bit here and there like basic emergency type of words of you know someone asked me a question of where's the restroom or um what time is it I can communicate with them but when it comes to holding down a conversation no I don't know how to do American sign language <laughs> and enough to hold down a conversation um so I learned how to do sign language, and that helped. It, it helped a lot. My parents said that it was a huge help because now they know um, what specifically are my needs. Like, let's say if I'm crying and I couldn't speak, they're like, well, now she knows how to do the sign language or the sign for hungry or thirsty or I'm in pain um so I think for like a good year I just did sign language <laughs> this is crazy um and then uh eventually I just started to talk <laughs> that's what my parents said that just I just naturally just started to talk as if it never happened, as if I did not ignore people for so long. I just started to just talk, um, which is kind of funny. Um, I I don't know 100% why it took me a while for me to speak, um, but it'll make more sense as to why I think I have dyslexia um, later on um, explaining it will all make sense. Just just be patient. <laughs> um, so then I went to kindergarten and they didn't want me, the school district did not want me to go to a regular classroom setting 
our school. They wanted to take me to a school where all the students have a disability. However, all these students have cognitive disabilities. Um, a lot of them, uh, you know, they, they can't s- speak or they have other things that prevents them f- from learning you know, reading and writing and math and history and all these other things that you learn in elementary school. Um, and at first, my parents were like, oh, okay, like, if you you say this is the best, um, okay. And then, I think I was only there for like a day because my parents noticed they're like, wait, you're not going to teach you how to read and write and, and how to do math and all these other things. They're like, no. And they're like, whoa, no. <laughs> our, our daughter, she has a physical disability, but there's really, she can understand. Like, she is capable of learning how to read and write and, um, you know, this is an average six years old. I think I, I think I was six years old um, at the time. And they were like, oh, well, it's just the best for her. Blah, blah, blah you will see. And they were like, wait, no, it's not. <laughs> because she's very smart. Because we can tell how she catches on very quickly. And leaving her in this one classroom setting will stunt her growth mentally and her development and her social skills um they wouldn't budge when it comes to my parents try to advocate for me um and another family their daughter has OI and they became friends with my parents um kind of like an hour apart from each other I think um, but their daughter was also born with OI a couple of months apart from when I was born. And, you know, they're white Americans. And so they were able to know a lot of information. And, um, the reason that we know this family, um, and she became my friend, my childhood friend, is because of my childhood pediatrician. Um, he said, yes, another girl was born with OI, the same as you, and, um, do you want their information so y'all can bond and, you know, connect? And we're like, yes, absolutely. Um, so thanks to them, to that family, um, I won't say their last name because I don't know if they don't want to be mentioned, um, but yeah, thanks to that family, they also helped us with the process of getting me a chair, a wheelchair, um, access to knowing the Americas with Disability Act. So when it came to, you know, the school district saying, oh, no, your kid doesn't need to go to regular school because of her physical disability, it's wrong. It, it, it's very wrong. That you you can fight that and you can say no, my child belongs to a regular school and there's nothing wrong with um 
those schools and those programs that deals with cognitive disabilities, of course, um, if they helped your child, then absolutely go for it. But it's not like a one-size-fits-all situation. Um, so thanks to that family, we were able to have an interpreter. Um, because, again, my parents didn't know that much English at the time. Uh, so we were able to get a interpreter and explain to us Americans with Disability Act that I have the opportunity to go to regular school, but it's going to take a lot of meetings and a lot of, like, proving them that I'm capable of being in a regular education setting. Um... So, oh my gosh, I, I, it's crazy that I still remember, um, I guess because it was very heavy and with my parents, um, cause they were worried, not just my health, you know, cause of my bones and all, but also how the world is already treating me bad. <laughs> like they're already not giving me a chance like a regular kid um and also their frustration that they don't know english so they they would like to defend me and and really persuade them into knowing that hey my daughter is capable of going to regular school just give her a chance um i I can only imagine how frustrating that is so then um from a lot of people just donating their time uh, we were able to prove that i am capable of going to a regular school um i will i would need a para which is someone to follow me um throughout the day help me with any thing that i need um but other than that, I would be getting the same education as any child. So, yeah, I went to regular elementary school. Um, the para that I had f- for the first time, she was horrible. <laughs> I will say that. That's a whole new other topic. But she was very horrible. Um, now that I'm an adult and I put the pieces together, yes, she's just a horrible person. Um, not a horrible person, as in, like, she's not evil, but when it comes to, um, her being a reliable adult, uh, yeah, she definitely should have been fired, but I didn't say anything, because it really took a lot, I could, I mean, I was six, seven years old when all this was happening, and I 100% didn't understand um, the meanings and all that stuff, but I could put the pieces together when it comes to, man, my parents went through a lot to put me in a regular school, and if I complain about my para, then I'm going to get in trouble. I thought I was going to get in trouble, or I, I thought, um, I'm going to go back to that other school, um, so I kept my mouth shut. And she was pretty mean. Um, that's 
a whole nother thing. But she was pretty, pretty mean. Um, and I never said anything because I thought I was going to get in trouble. Um, or what my parents fought for to defend me would be a waste. Which is horrible. Um, I wish I would have said something. Um, because she was pretty mentally abusive sometimes. Um, and eventually it became physical. But that's a whole new other topic. Um, another episode. But yeah, so... Yeah, I, I in elementary school, I struggled with reading and writing in the fifth grade. I missed the whole year. Yeah, I think it was the fifth grade. I missed the whole year of school um, because I kept having issues with my legs, both of my legs. Um, I'm trying to give you all the short summary because if I go through every single detail, we would be here forever. <laughs> um, but basically, I was gone for the whole fifth grade here, um, and the school district did promise to give me, like, a homeschool teacher, um, but that was a horrible experience because every teacher that I was given, they would only come, like, once a week or so for an hour. When originally a fifth grader in the United States that goes to public school is what eight hours, five times a week. Um, yeah, I'm missing a lot of school, and my parents couldn't teach me how to read and write and how to do things um, in English because they don't know English. So I, I was pretty decent in in math, um, but when it comes to reading and writing, I was pretty illiterate, um, and once I was tested in the fifth grade, I don't know the name of the exam, I forgot, um, I don't know if they, they, they still do that exam where at the end of the year, they do, like, um, a huge exam to see how much you have improved or if you're ready for the next grade, um, and I took that test and I scored very low. When it comes to reading and writing and comprehension and all that. Um, so we had a meeting and they said, unfortunately, she can't move forward to go to middle school. Because she is reading at like a third grade level. I think it was like about third grade level. And so I was in fifth grade. And I was reading, like, around about a third grade level. And the school said, you know, if we allow her to go to middle school, uh, she will be lost. She won't understand how to keep up. And, yeah, I was held back in the fifth grade. So I had to do a lot of speech therapy. Um... A lot of reading and writing, extra time to keep up. Um, it really took a lot. And then once the second year of fifth grade, I completed the fifth, the second year of fifth grade. Um, I took the test again, and I improved. So they're like, okay, now she's ready to go to the sixth grade. 
and in sixth grade, um, yeah, I really had great teachers. I can't pl- I can't complain when it comes to middle school because it was pretty good. I- I'm not gonna lie. I I had pretty decent friends. I had great teachers. Um, so yeah, I can't complain about that. Um, and this is a whole new other topic, but, um, I was given a scholarship opportunity to do, um, in eighth grade. In eighth grade, you know, in the United States, that's the last year of middle school, and then you go to high school, which is the ninth grade. And I was given this opportunity, and amongst my other friends who were very smart, I usually hung out with kids that um, had good grades and all that. Um, So I was kind of a nerd in a way. And, uh, yeah, I was given this opportunity. I'm not going to say specific names, uh, just to be sure I don't, like... you know, puts anyone on blast, you know, so I'm just gonna keep it very neutral. So let's just say I was given an opportunity for a scholarship, which is you work hard for high school, and if you successfully complete high school when it comes to great grades and all these other criteria that you have to complete, um, you will get four years of college of your choice for free. No strings attached. And, um, yeah, I, I remember I was accepted. Um, and let's just say my family didn't um, think that was a good idea. And I, and from that point on forward, I, I got really discouraged. When I hit high school, um, I became very discouraged because I was told by a family member that I'm not capable of going to college. That college is not in my future at all. Because I failed the fifth grade, I continued to struggle with school. I'm not saying I was failing classes, as in, like, I was missing a lot of school because of my health and all these other factors, so they're like, you know, college is not for you, so you shouldn't waste your time in applying for scholarships to go to college when it's just not your cards. And that really messed me up, in a way. 50% of it, it really discouraged me, but the other half is like, okay, well, now I'm going to show you. <laughs> now I'm going to show you. I'll figure out a way to pay it for myself, and I will figure it out a way. But deep down, I would still feel very insecure of, man, maybe college is not for me. Uh, fast forward to high school. Um, I was getting great great. I usually would get A's. Um, every now and then, I probably would get a C here and there or a B, but I, I was pretty good um, A to B range student. Um, actually, it, it's so funny because I have become more friends with teachers than students. Um, 
So <laughs> it's funny because I say, oh, I'm a teacher's pet, but maybe I am. I, I don't care. <laughs> but I, I've always connected more with with um teachers. So in high school, I did great. Um, I had really good grades, and I was accepted into this program where it's called the A plus program. And yeah that kind of gave you an opportunity of if you do great in school and which is high school graduate with a high GPA um and everything else you will be given a scholarship to go to college so cool so i joined the program and um I graduated with that scholarship. I graduated from high school. Here's the kicker. This is where everything started to backfire and depression started to hit a lot harder. After high school, I for sure knew what school to go to, but I had no transportation. And that was a huge issue. I had no transportation. And what I mean by I had no transportation is because my parents were working at the time. And our house was very um, not accessible for me. Since I don't walk or anything like that. And the outside of my childhood house has a bunch of stairs. So I would need to have someone carry me up and down the stairs to get out of the house. So, first, the classes that I needed for freshman year um, were not available at the time when my parents were available. So, I couldn't even get a ride because get out of the house, I couldn't. Then, I was given this opportunity to find transportation. I signed up for this transportation program and I was accepted. And so I would try to align my class schedule with my parents' working schedule. So let's say um, before they left to go to work or whatever, they would, you know, help me be outside. And I would have to wait about an hour to two hours by myself outside every bright early in the morning just to catch my ride. And, yeah, it was very, very difficult. I'm not going to lie. Because if it was raining, most of the time I wouldn't go to school. Because I use a power chair. And you can't get your power chair wet. So, and an umbrella, it works to a certain amount of time. Because if it's pouring rain, storming, good luck, you will mess up your chair. So, that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> But yeah, um, so yeah, I finally figured out a way to get a ride. Um, I had to take extra classes to even be considered as a college student. Um, and so for like a year and a half or two years, I had to take these classes where, um, if you scored low in your... Um, I think it's ACT or something like that. 
ACT, I think. I think it was the ACT. Um, you have to take these classes before you are considered to take college classes. So I literally had to do extra classes just to start to be considered college credit classes. Freaking yikes. <laughs> like that, you could say that was very discouraging, but I was like, okay. Then um, I changed my major twice. So I think for another year or or two, I was measuring. It was um, how do you explain this? I was taking classes for a degree that I ended up changing my mind. So originally, I think I was going to do like computer science or something like that, and then I changed it to psychology, and then um, halfway in my associate's arts degree is when I changed to sociology. And the reason I changed it into sociology is because I started taking, like, general classes that have to do with, like, social work or, like, psychology kind of fields because both fields were very interesting to me. Um, so my advisor recommended me to take sociology 101 and I was like okay I'll, I'll do that and they're like yeah and it will count towards your associate's degree so it doesn't even matter um you'll get to know what sociology is like and then you will also be counted of a college credit when it comes to like your associate's degree and I was like okay that makes sense like great so I take Sociology 101. Oh my god. I fell in love. I was like, wow, this is so much fun. It when I were I would do the um homework and all that, I would be excited because I was like, wow, this is fun. This is great. Um so kudos to that teacher or professor. I don't remember his name I wish I do I wish I did know his name um but unfortunately don't um but yeah I was like wow this is great then um I graduate my associate's arts degree in a community college and I moved to a university and oh my gosh that was a whole new other thing because my transportation sometimes wouldn't pick me up um, so I would miss a lot of school. Um, professors almost failed me because I was missing a lot of school because my ride wouldn't pick me up. Um, <laughs> like, it was just a hot mess. Uh, fractures, health issues. A lot of things started to pile up. Um, and I had this one professor, she said that, um... You know, maybe this is not the right career path for me. And I was like, wow, <laughs> maybe she's right. Um, but no, I was so focused on doing it. And um, I can go on for hours of, like, stories <laughs> of what I dealt with when it comes to education. Um, I There was so many times... 
when I'm doing my undergrad uh, at university, um, feeling like I'm just not smart enough. Um, I have always struggled with reading and writing. I still do to this day. Um, I understand 100% what I'm reading, but it just takes me a while. And I did get um, disability accommodations where I was able to receive extra time in exams. So let's say it was an in-class exam for an hour. Well, I get two hours to complete the exam. Oh my gosh, that helped me so, so much because whenever I was given just an hour long exam, I, I wouldn't complete it all. I, and it's, it, it was very frustrating because I really did feel stupid of like, why are all these students completing an exam with flying colors um, and completed for an hour within an hour and I'm over here struggling to do it and even though I study I don't get me wrong I do study and put in the work but why is it taking me longer than other students and unfortunately I was never tested if I have um not autism <laughs> well uh what's it called um dyslexia sorry um I was never tested for dyslexia um I was told oh maybe it's because you know your first language was Spanish so that's why it takes you for a certain to a certain extent yes um but at the same time in order I remember when I started college I had to color coordinate my notes I had to color coordinate my notes in order for me to understand what I'm reading. I had to divide things into pieces to absorb what I'm reading. And just so many other things that I've done research on about dyslexia. I'm like, wow. Like, that's me. Of it does take me a while to dissect one page um and it doesn't mean I'm slow or I just don't understand it's just that it takes me longer to focus one word at a time than just reading it just in a smooth process if that makes sense um so whenever I would do my notes um I also had to color coordinate it so that way, if one specific thing that I had to learn, I had to highlight it. And I don't know if anyone listening who have dyslexia knows what I'm talking about. But yeah, um, even writing, I, I, I know how to spell a word. But once I spill it out, I mix the letters up. <laughs> it's It's weird. And it's not necessarily weird as in the bad way, but... It's different. And I have always been very frustrated with myself of, man, why am I struggling to spell this word when it's not even difficult? And, yeah, so I, I, I've done a lot of research on dyslexia, how a lot of people are never diagnosed, and they're out 
school they feel like oh maybe I'm just slow or or just dumb or whatever but there's a lot of research and information about it um where you kind of learn how to blend in and that's what I learned to do I learned how to blend in of if I struggled how to read and write something I would just fake it as in like oh you know silly me and do a little mistake or whatever but deep down it's very difficult to form a paragraph um I have gotten better um that's one of the perks about my experience in college is I I learned how to speed read a little bit better um and understand better what I'm reading at a faster pace and writing and all that I, I've gotten better but yeah it's been a long journey absolutely long journey um but I know I have been talking for almost an hour um but in this episode I want to end it with this is number one if you are someone who is over the ages of in your 20s and you want to go to college I say do it absolutely um you're never too old to go to school now I can't understand if it's a money issue um you can try to qualify for financial aid um and your scholarships out there that will take you if you're a single mom or they will take you if you're um latin x or if they'll take you if you are first generation to go to college there's so many scholarships out there number two if you have a disability i definitely recommend going to vocational rehabilitation in your area get a vocational rehabilitation counselor um and they most likely will pay for your school they paid for my school um part of my school was paid for uh from financial aid and vocational rehabilitation i forgot to mention that i lost my a plus program when i graduated from high school because um it took me over a year to go to college and if you don't go to school or go to college right after high school you get disqualified so I missed that scholarship and I really thought that man how am I going to pay for college um if I don't have that scholarship but I was able to go to VR and say hey I'm struggling um this is what's happening are you able to assist me with that and they did um they paid for my school my transportation um they were great um another thing is try to if you have a disability um don't be afraid to talk to the disability office um they're they are there to help you um let's say if you need an ASL interpreter if you need extra time in your exams or whatever um they can accommodate you unfortunately um 
you might have some bumps in the road when it comes to not everyone is knowledgeable when it comes to different disabilities. Um, but I would say try to advocate yourself at the best of your ability. Know your research. Um, give them examples of like, hey, this is what I need to be successful. Um, and just giving me the right tools, I can successfully graduate. <clears throat> and another thing is don't be afraid of being the only one that's, quote, different in your classrooms. Um, once I reached about junior year is when I started to notice that, oh, my experience as a first-generation Mexican-American with a disability um, does have different obstacles and barriers when it comes to completing your education goal, your education attainment. Um, there is a significant difference between white Americans versus Latinos and um, if you have a disability and all this stuff like really does play a role as in like what how many loops and things that you have to go through to to complete your education attainment um, but I would say definitely to just don't give up and I know it sounds very cheesy um, and kind of repetitive that you hear a lot. But definitely it, when things get difficult, um, remember why you started. And, and if your degree involves with serving people like mine is... Um, Keep in mind that you can use your story and your experiences to help others. Um, because the statistics are very low. Being Latinx, first generation Mexican American with a disability, the statistics are very, very low. Um, that complete education attainment. But that doesn't mean um, you're not capable. It just means that there will be extra barriers and very hard moments where your family doesn't understand what you're talking about when you explain to them all oh, this is this is this is and that it's happening and they're kind of like oh you got this but like they don't really understand um and it just gets tricky so um it does get hard but that doesn't mean that you're not worthy of being there. You're worth being there. And for a long time, I thought I wasn't smart enough to be in college, especially at a university. Once I went to a university, I was like, wow, like these rich kids. I, <laughs> I did see a bunch of rich kids of like them you know, saying, oh, yeah, my dad's a lawyer, my mom's a, a doctor, and I'm kind of like, oh, well, <laughs> I'm the first one in my family to have reached this far, 
uh, to go to college. I mean, I do have cousins and stuff that have gone to college, but when I mean my immediate family, I'm the first one. Um, and even to this day, I am very shocked because um, I didn't have, you know, quote, a traditional college ceremony, but um, it, it's still very hard for me to believe that I, I, I finished. I got my bachelor's in sociology, and I'm very, very shocked, and I'm very grateful. I am very grateful for the teachers and professors that have been part of my life um, they have contributed to encouraging me to stay focused. Um, and going to college doesn't mean that you're all of a sudden this intelligent, smart person that you're going to make a lot of money. Absolutely not. But it's definitely a beautiful honor and privilege to do it. Because not too long ago, people of color were not able to be going to school with a mix of people, you know? And, and not too long ago, you know, it was illegal to speak Spanish out in public in the United States. Um, that's a whole new other topic of, like, you know, segregation and all that and racism in this country. But I just want to just share a snippet of my story of yeah it was dang on hard for me to get where I'm at now but I'm really grateful for everyone that has been part of my journey and I look forward to using what I learned to help others that are in my shoes or um hesitating to go to college or all these other things um that I can share um but yeah thank you all for listening for my second episode of From Me Para Ti congratulations to the class of 2020 around the world that is amazing that we graduated during a horrible pandemic it's unfortunately that we didn't get a traditional ceremony um dismay but i just want you to keep in mind that your degree can't be taken away from you you did it you did it um during hard moments and you should be very proud of yourself don't wait for a traditional ceremony to feel proud because at the end of the day, your name's going to be on that degree. And it was because of you that put in the work that you graduated. So congratulations. See you all in the next episode. I love you. Take good care. Bye. Bye.